Good morning. As it was stated, uh, we have a lot going on this week. I think we scheduled everything for this week, and that's kind of how we usually do things. I don't know if that's what happens to you in your homes, but it's happened here at church uh, that we've scheduled our super-duper Saturday coming up this week, next weekend. And uh, so that's going to be a fun day. It's a community event. We're inviting everybody over. We're going to have food and and a lot of fun for the kids and a devotional. And so it's kind of a one-day VBS. So we're excited about that. We have a youth group coming all the way from Oklahoma. And then the following Thursday, we're going to be having a big singing, an outdoor singing that's going to be happening outside. And so just a lot of wonderful, good things happening at Lindsley Avenue. And of course, you never know what state the auditorium is going to be in because we've been working on that. Uh, But it's good to see you today. And if you want to participate in those things, those are happening. And then, of course, today we're also going to be going out to the Nashville uh, Center for Healing and Rehabilitation to minister to the elderly and the infirmed at that facility. So a lot, a lot going on. Our lesson text is from Ezra, chapter 3, uh, 11 and following, and we're going to get to that here in just a moment, but the first thing that I want you to think about is separation and being a distance from those you know and those you love, being separated from someone you love and how that feels in your being. You know, this past week, I spent some time away from home, and that usually doesn't happen. Most of the time, I am at home at 4.35 o'clock, we're eating supper, we're holding hands, we're praying, we're playing together, we're, you know, it's just, I have a real uh, schedule that I usually keep, but I was away from home this week, staying in a dorm room for a residency, And I don't like to be away from home, but the days were 13 hours and they encourage you to do it. And it was about 10 o'clock at night and I get a phone call. It's my wife, but it's not my wife, it's my daughter. And you know what she says? Where are you? (laughs) Crying. Weeping, where are you? And I'm glad she's not here today. She is under the weather. Not that she's under the weather, but, you know, preachers like to talk about their families. But she was like, where are you? I miss you. Come home. Come home now. I said, baby, I want to. But by the time I come home and then I have to come back at 6 o'clock in the morning, it's just, you'll be asleep. I'll spend time with you in your sleep. And then... You know, it's a wonderful time in humanity with the technology we have because guess what the answer was? Something called FaceTime. FaceTime, where you can send a video of yourself and where you're at. And then when she began to see me, to talk with me, and for me to give her a little tour of my wonderful dorm room, as you can imagine how beautiful that was, she stopped crying. And what a wonderful thing it is that even though I was separated from her, it didn't feel like that anymore, did it? I was right there with her. She was seeing 
what I was going through. She saw me. She saw my room. I introduced her to my roommate. So it was a wonderful thing. And we live in this day and age where we're so connected with each other. Right? I mean, you can text somebody. You can FaceTime somebody. You can do that to parts of the world unknown all over. Right? It reminds me of a movie that just recently came out called Lion. Has anyone ever heard of that movie? It was nominated for some Academy Awards. And it's an interesting story about this day and age and the separation and how technology is bringing people together. And it's a story about a little boy. And he's from India. And he's just a a poor little boy. He's about five years old. And he's so poor that he begins to steal coal. He and his brother, they steal coal from the trains and they trade it for milk and food. And the story goes that during one of these nights that they're trying to steal some coal, that he falls asleep on the train. And he's just five years old and he ends up all the way in Calcutta, India, far removed from his home. And in fact, the people even speak a different language there. It's in India. But it's a different dialect, and he can't communicate with anybody, and he's just five years old. It's a true story. And then he ends up in an orphanage in India. And then he's adopted and ends up all the way in Australia. Imagine that. Years, decades pass. And he begins to try to search for his mother and his brother that he lost. And what does he turn to? He turns to Google Earth. And he zeroes in on the topography of the land. And he begins to search for years and years through Google Earth just for anything that looks familiar in India. And finally, he sees something that he recognizes and he figures out, that's where I'm from. I know who I am. And he goes back and he meets his mother. And his identity was so lost in all that, he began, he, he, he's told how to pronounce his real name. He's been mispronouncing his name the whole time. And his real name means lion. Separation. What does it do to us? What does it do to us in our families? What does it do to us in our spiritual lives? Separation. And that's where we find the people of God in Ezra. You see, they had been separated from God. They had been separated from their homeland. They had been separated from their worship. They had been separated from their language. And they didn't even know themselves anymore. And now, through the providence and sovereignty of God, they were brought back to the land of Israel, to the land of Judah. And now they were beginning to build the temple again after being separated for 70 years. Can you imagine that? After 70 years of being displaced, trying to figure out another language, living with different rules, with different people, they were home. And they began to lay the foundation to the temple of God. 
And there were some men and women there who had seen the first temple. The temple that had been destroyed. What had happened was is that Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, had taken the, Israel, the people of Israel out of Jerusalem. It says in Lamentations, listen to this, in chapter 1, 1 and 2, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she, who was great among the nations. The princess among the providence has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night. Judah has gone into captivity. They were taken. They were evicted from their home. Has anyone ever been evicted? Don't raise up your hands. Evicted. But why had they been evicted? Why were they? Because they began to separate themselves from God a long time before that. And what we know about the history of the people of God at this time is that before they were taken off into captivity by the kingdom of Babylon is that they had rejected God in their life. And that instead of having the true one living God, Jehovah, instead of having Him, they traded Him for some idol. A counterfeit God. A God that wasn't even real. A God that was inferior. And they took on all the gods of all the lands and they rejected the one true living God. And not only that, they turned to false teaching. They turned to false prophets. And guess what? The prophets made money. And they did well for themselves because they told the people what they wanted to hear. Is that happening today? Have we traded in God, the true living God, for a counterfeit God? Has our society traded in? Do we have preachers that tell us what we want to hear? It says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We like to hear things our way, don't we? And the people of God began to want to hear it their way instead of the way that God intended it. They rejected God, and it got so bad. It got so bad that they began to even offer their own children to idols. Molech. It's pretty bad, isn't it? When you will put your own child in fire to a false god. What have we sacrificed our children for? What has our world sacrificed our children to? Our world has sacrificed children to what? To greed? To pleasure? To all kinds of things, haven't we? And in... And what have we done? We have separated ourselves from the true one living God. And in our lesson text, the people of God, by His grace, were brought back home. And they began to to build the foundation of the temple. And the men and women, some were rejoicing and some were crying because... Why? 
Why would they cry? Why would they rejoice at the foundation? Because what the, what the temple represented, what does the temple represent to the people of God? Number one, it represents their identity. It represented who they were. When they began to build that temple, it was about who they were, that they were truly the people of God. That's what the temple means. Think about in your own life. Do you remember that home that you were raised in? Do you remember, or do you remember a grandmother or grandfather's home that you spent a lot of time in? Do you remember this, the elementary school that you were taught in? I can walk in my mind through the house that I was raised in. I can walk through the mind of my grandfather's house in Union City, Tennessee. I can walk through the, the house of my grandparents' home up on Dollar Hill in Carroll County. It's a little farmhouse with a tin roof, with a wood-burning stove. I can walk through it. And you know what? There's a part of my identity that was found in those homes. And in the same way, in God's house, in His temple, we find our identity, don't we? And that's what was happening to the people of God. They were regaining their identity again. It's us. We're the people of God, and this is His temple. Why else was it so important? It's because the temple also represented the promises of God. It was a landmark that God was keeping His Word. It was a visible sign that yes, we are God's people and He is keeping His Word. And as long as we obey Him, He blesses us. And now the temple was being rebuilt and that promise was coming alive again. But lastly... The most important part of the temple was this, is that it represented, listen to me very closely, the presence of God. The presence of God, and that's why I'm talking about separation today. It's because the temple, what it represented to the people of God was that God was truly here, that He's with us. So what does that mean for us today? that we need to rebuild God's presence in our lives. And there's only one way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it says, For there is no other foundation than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. If you want the presence of God in your life, there's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. Remember, when, when Jesus was being born, they said, we shall call His name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And when we begin to build the presence of God in our life on the foundation of who Jesus is, the anxiety of separation leaves. And that peace comes. And we become people of worship. Just as the people of God, they were a people who worshipped Him. Instead of worshiping counterfeit gods, gods that aren't real, gods that dissipate, gods that vanish when you need them, we serve the true living God. God is seeking such to worship Him, true worshipers. God is a spirit and worship Him in spirit and in truth. To be people of prayer. 
In Ezra, it says in chapter 8, 23, So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and He answered our prayer. That when we begin to rebuild the presence of God in our life, we become people of worship. We become people of prayer. And also the Word of God becomes central to our life. It says this about Ezra. In chapter 7, verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinance in Israel. When we begin to rebuild God's presence, His temple in our lives, His Word becomes central to our lives. Just as Ezra, the priest, the scribe, began to proclaim and to preach the truth of who God was, that's in our life. And also our life becomes about offering. Offering our lives just as they offered sacrifices in the temple of God. We offer our own life. Remember what Paul said. I beseech you, my brethren, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our lives become an offering to God. And there's no greater thing that you can do with your life than to offer it to God, the author and sustainer of life. You want purpose? Offer your life to God. You want meaning? Offer your life to God. You want God's presence? Offer your life to God. And then, once we lay the foundation of Christ and His teachings in our lives, we begin to understand God's presence. We understand His presence. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We begin to know in our lives that the promises of God are true when we build the temple in our life. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again to receive you. That where I am, there you may be also. That promise is real with Christ. And also our very identity is changed because of Christ. I know, my, I know how to pronounce my name because I know who my Father is and I know who my Lord is. Your Father loves you. Jesus has saved you and His Holy Spirit indwells in us. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 3.10 over to 16 and 17 and he says this, after that foundation of Christ has been laid, he says, Know ye not, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You are the temple. But the only way to have God's presence and His promise is to build on the foundation of Christ. And the only way to build the foundation of Christ is through His church. See, it's a wonderful thing. The way that we know God is through Christ. The way that we live in relation to Christ is through His church, His people. 
Just as God has called His people together, gathered them to build that temple, He says, build the temple in your life. My presence in your life. And then it says something very interesting about the people as they worshipped, as they wept, as they rejoiced. It says that the sound was heard afar off. That when we begin to build God's presence in our lives, guess who else hears about it? Everyone. That when that temple begins to be built in your life, the sound is heard afar off. Just like it says in 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul told the church at Thessalonica, you were examples to Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we need not say anything. What a testament that their faith was so loud that everybody was hearing about it. Paul didn't even have to talk about who the the church at Thessalonica was because their faith was so loud. And isn't that the church we want to be? And I know that this church is beginning to make noise. And sometimes it's crying. Sometimes it's weeping with those who are weeping and sometimes it's rejoicing with those who rejoice. But this church is beginning to make noise and it's going to be heard afar off. Build on the foundation of Christ in your life today. Are you a Christian this morning? The Bible says that that walk begins with belief, with faith, and that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God that we begin to believe in what His Word says, and we put that Word in our life, we repent of those sins, those sins that separate us, that separate us from our neighbor, that separate us from our spouse, that separate us from everyone, that separate us from God. And we confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of the living God. We confess Him as the foundation to build our life, His teachings and His life. And we're baptized into His death, burial, and resurrection. Have you done that today? Or maybe you started building something other than a temple. Maybe you built something that was a temple unto yourself. Or a temple unto greed. Or a temple unto pleasure. The Bible says you can get that right today. Or if you have any need at all, whether it be physical, spiritual... Know this church will pray with you. If you have any need, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.